If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to find the book of Acts. Okay, the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 8. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. Right? Your Bible, if you didn't know, is split into two sections. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we have the Gospels that start uh, the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That is the life, the, uh, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amazing story of who Jesus is and was. And, uh, and then right after those, we have the book of Acts. Jesus ascends to heaven, and we have this book where the early church starts. And so find Acts. Um, we're going to be in chapter 8. We'll get into that in just a second. But this morning, we're beginning a brand new series. Uh, actually, no, last week, you, you started a brand new series of messages um, that we titled Growing in Christ. Growing in, t- growing in Christ. And there's a phrase we say a, a lot around here. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. Uh, we say the words, one more. One more. Like, we are here. We, we believe that this is who we are and what we are supposed to do as a church to help one more person who is lost, one more person who is hurting, one more person far from God come to find him. So it's like one more, one more, one more. We are a very outward-focused church uh, in what we do, the way we think. But the reality is the phrase one more is actually only half of kind of the mission statement of River of Life Church. There's three more words that go after one more, and those words are growing in Christ. One more, growing in Christ, growing in Christ. See, not only are we about adding people to the kingdom of God, but we take it very serious when the Bible talks about continuing to grow in our relationship. It's not just a raise my hand, say a prayer, boom, I'm done. No, no, no. The Bible talks about this as a continual growing in our relationship with him. And we took this phrase, growing in Christ, from two verses found in the book of Colossians. This short passage of scripture, it's kind of going to serve as our theme verse for last week and, you know, these four weeks or so as we do this. So here, I want to read this to you. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So this idea like you've accepted Jesus, you've taken the first step in this, but it's, but it's not supposed to stop there, okay? There's more. We need to begin to let our, our roots grow down deep into him, into Jesus And as our roots grow further and further down, our lives can begin to be built on him. And I love that part in verse 7 where it says, then your faith will grow strong. I want to have a strong faith. You could just say it this way. The The deeper we are rooted in Christ, the deeper we're rooted in Jesus, the more we grow in Christ and the stronger our faith becomes. So for the next three weeks, Um, This is going to be our focus, to ask the question, what does it look like to take a a step forward in our spiritual lives? What does it look like for us to grow in Christ? And here at River of Life Church, we have have six ways that we see people grow in Christ. And and I'm going to just rattle them off really quick. This has got to be quick because we need to get where we're headed today. But here's here's six ways. First one is this. Um, 
private disciplines, private disciplines. We begin to talk to God more. We, we get into his word and we allow that to shape who we are. Number two, this is the one you talked about last week when Aaron spoke, providential relationships. We surround ourselves with the right people, people who help us grow. Uh, three, personal ministry. We begin to serve and minister to other people inside and outside of the church. Number four, pivotal circumstances. Like we face difficult circumstances in life and, and we need to lean on God during those hard times. Number five, powerful moments. We have supernatural experiential moments in our lives as we give God more opportunity to move in our lives and it changes us. And then number six, the one we're talking about today is practical teaching. Practical teaching, we hear the truth of God and grow as we understand and obey that truth, okay? Um, so that's kind of our introduction. Enough of that. We're going to get to the Bible. So here's what I would like to do. I would love for everybody to just stand with me for one moment as we read God's Word, just out of respect for His Word. And we're going to read, we're going to read a decent chunk here. Um, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. But this is a great story, so get ready. Um, here we go. We're talking about a guy named Philip, all right? As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay, I'm going to stop right there for one second. So here's what's happening. Jesus has died. He has rose again. He has talked with his disciples. He has sent them out. Jesus uh, ascends to heaven, and his disciples go out. Philip is on his way from Jerusalem to Gaza, and this is where uh, he's going out to preach the word, and, and this is where we pick this up, okay? 27. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. This guy's a big deal, okay? The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk uh, along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For he was, his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Uh, why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So cool. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. That's good stuff. Let's pray. All right, Holy Spirit, we, uh, we, we ask that you move in our hearts today. We, we need to hear from you the words that you have planned, not the words that I have planned. Uh, there, there's some big ramifications to what we're talking about today. So give us a humble attitude. Um, help us to respond in the way that you want us to respond. We thank you for this. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. All right. We're going to get back to Philip 
and the man from Ethiopia here in just a second. In fact, can you, can you hand me that thing quick? Um, I want to show you something. This is not going to be, huh? I got it. Uh, this is not going to be, like, blow your mind by any means, okay? Don't, don't be like, oh, wow, what's going to happen? Okay, this isn't that cool. Um, but what it's going to do is it's going to get us started moving in the right direction and help us understand some things. So what I have here is I have a little cup thing, and I have a bunch of Legos. I was going to get, like, you know, that playground, like that P-Rock, that play but I was way too lazy to go shovel it out from under the snow. So we're just using Legos because my kids have, like, um, let's see. What, what did your kids say to me this morning? A Google. No, that's not enough. We have more than that. Infinity. No, we have more than that. You can't have more than infinity. Infinity never ends. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have infinity. That's Josiah's two boys arguing about how many they Lego, how many Legos they had this morning. It was, it was a great conversation. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to fill this up really quick because I want to show you something that, again, you guys are all going to go, uh, duh, but... It's going to help us understand a scripture verse and a principle. Okay, so the question here is, is there any way I can fit any more Legos into this? Like, I've shaken it down. I've pressed it down. If I try to drop any more on there, they just, oh, doggone it. All right. Um, there's no way, right? There's no room. How, do, how, if I wanted to put something else in here, what, what would I have to do? It's really simple. Okay, I was just going to say, empty some of them out. I guess if you wanted to get all violent, you could crush them. But yeah, um, you just make some space. You just have to empty some of what's in your cup so you can make space for other things. Now, what this comes down to is now my decision. Do I want to empty this just a little bit? Um, or do I want to make a little bit more room for what else I want to put in here? Or am I going to like totally empty this thing? and make as much room as possible for whatever else I want to put in here, okay? Now, again, not an amazing science experiment by any means, but it's going to help us understand this next scripture verse. John 3, verse 30 says this. Check this out. He must increase while I must decrease. He, Jesus, must have more space and I must have less. Now, this is John the Baptist talking here, okay? John the Baptist was a big deal before Jesus came on the scene. John the Baptist had huge crowds of people that would come out from Jerusalem and watch him at the Jordan River, and he would preach, and huge crowds of people would be here. Well, one day, right before John 3.30, what we read here, um, Jesus is, is out preaching, and there's huge crowds listening to Jesus. And John's disciples see this, and they go running to John, and they go, John, like, Master, what's the deal? Nobody thinks you're important anymore. Nobody's listening to you anymore. They all think that that guy's important. They all think that they should go listen to him. And John, John replies, uh, he is the important one. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Savior of the world. They should be going and listening to this God. For God's plan to work, and here's where our verse comes in, for God's plan to work, he must increase I must decrease. He needs to become more important. He must become more important. I must become less important. And one of my favorite ways that this is said, there's another verse, uh, another version that says, he needs to move to the center while I slip off to the side. It's this cool picture. And the whole idea is 
More of God equals less of me. More of God equals less of me. And we're going to talk um, more about the idea of more of God here in just a minute, but I want to quickly chat with you about this idea of less of me. And I'm sure you've made the connection by now between the little Lego illustration, John 3.30, and the idea of more of God equals less of me. It's pretty hard to add more of God into my life if, if I'm chock full of other stuff. How do I add more of God if my life is so full of myself, so full of everything else? How do I do that? Well, it comes down to, like, I need to make room. I need to empty some of myself to make room for God. And then the question becomes, am I just going to make a little bit of room for God? Or am I going to empty more of my own desires and more of the world so I can make more room? Or am I going to completely try to empty myself so I can make as much room as possible for God? That's the idea we're going for here today. And sometimes the tricky part in all of this is the things that we need to empty from our lives, sometimes they're good things. Sometimes good things need to go. Good things are good, but good things are not God things. There's a difference. I could fill my life with volunteering on committees and giving lots of money away to humanitarian organizations and spending my life doing nice things for others, but I could still be missing what God wants me to do. Those are all good things, but what if all that time or money or whatever I'm giving is not supposed to go there? That's where, not where God wants me to focus. One of the greatest illustrations I've ever heard, and it, oh, it haunts me to this day, and I hope it haunts you. Ready? I once had a pastor, I was listening to a pastor, and he said, I don't want to spend my whole life climbing a ladder and to get to the, at the, the top of the ladder and realize I was climbing the wrong ladder the whole time. Like, man, God's like, yeah, great job. You, you did a lot. You got up there, but you were supposed to climb this ladder over here. Like, oh, I don't want that. I want God things. So to empty ourselves, sometimes we, we need to look back at our priorities. We need to ask God, like, the way I'm spending my time, my money, my resources, the, the, what I'm doing, is that what you want or is that what I want? So what are some other ways to empty ourselves? Well, last time I spoke a message in church, actually, I spoke on the idea of fasting. Fasting is an amazing way to empty ourselves. It takes our focus off of earthly things and um, that we tend to focus on, right? And it takes our focus off of that and puts our focus on God. Listen to this. Joel 2.12 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Return to me with all your heart. Joel the prophet is saying, God is telling you this. Return to me with all your heart. Okay, how? With fasting and weeping and mourning. When we fast, we limit our intake of earthly things like food, entertainment, other material types of things. And we can get stuck on those things really easy. We, we, we limit those things and we spend more time praying and reading God's word, listening to teachers, whatever it is. It's about more of God and less of me. Another practice we need to get in the habit of, I think, is going to God with our decisions. M most of the time, we just do what we think is right. I'm a pretty smart guy. I went to college. I've lived on this life or on this planet for a long time. I've got some experience. 
I know what I should be doing here, but that's being a little bit full of ourselves. The opposite of being empty. We're being full of ourselves. And what we should be doing is saying, God, I don't want to make this decision. I want you to do this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Okay? Don't trust in your own understanding. Seek his will, and he'll show you which path to take. Now, listen, I'm not talking about waking up in the morning and asking God, God, should I have fruity pebbles or cocoa crispies, okay? I... That sounds funny, but I had a friend in high school whose dad used to do that all the time. He'd come up to me and be like, I'm such a man of God. I pray about what I should eat for breakfast. And I'm like, you're a loony. Um, I don't think that God needs to tell us what to eat for breakfast. But I do think that there are a lot of decisions in our lives that we do by ourselves that we should be involving God in, right? That's emptying ourselves of our own agenda our own plans, our own goals. That's another way that we can empty ourselves. And the last thing I want to throw out here in the idea of, with the idea of emptying ourselves is the practice of confession. Okay, and I'm not talking about confessing our sins to a priest. I'm not even talking about confessing our sins to one another, although, man, talk about something humbling and something that empties yourself when you confess your sins to somebody else. That's a good practice. But what I'm talking about here. Is, conf- uh, is confessing or declaring certain things daily. It's this practice of daily confessing, like, God, I can't do this on my own. Only you can. This is all yours. None of it's mine. I am small. You are eternal. You are God. I am your follower. Like, confessing these things. Because when you do that, it changes your mindset. It reminds you... <sighs> Less of me, more of God. Confessing these things daily. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. More of you, less of me. That is honestly probably the prayer that I pray the most in my life. Um, I go into the sanctuary at, at the church over in Sock Center almost every morning, and I pray. And I'll go in there and pray for 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. And as I'm praying, sometimes I run out of things to pray. And so I'm like, just less of me, more of you. More of you, less of me. Not my passions, your passions. Not my desires, your desires. Not my goals, your goals. Your plans, not my plans. Whatever you want. More of you in my life, less of me. Empty me, God. That is is such a powerful prayer. Over and over, I confess that. I declare that because I truly want that to be in my life. Okay. Those are just a few quick thoughts on emptying ourselves. Now I want to um, talk about this idea of more of God. The side of the equation where we grow in Christ. And here's where I want to start. Many of us have given our hearts to God, but haven't let God give his heart to us. Okay, I want to say it again, and then I'm going to explain it. Many of us have given our hearts to God, but haven't let God give his heart to us. 
um, many of us have asked God, excuse me, many of us have asked God to save us, right, in the words of the Bible. Many of us have, have declared that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Many of us love God with our whole hearts, and in, you know, we, we even use this language, this kind of Christian phrase sometimes, like, I've given my heart to the Lord. And sometimes in our relationships, like you say about your wife or your significant other or whatever, you say, I've given her or him my whole heart, right? Like we give people our hearts when we are committed and we love them. But have we let God give us his heart? Have we let him download his desires, his passion, his goals, his dreams, his plans into us? Have we let God take his heart and like transplant it into ours? See, I want my heart, I don't know about you, but I want my heart to burn for the same things that his heart burns for. I want to love people like he loves people. I want to be excited about the same mission that he's excited about. I want to see people like he sees people. I want his heart to beat inside of mine, right? That's that should be our main goal as followers of Christ, to be more like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Now listen to this. He says, he says imitate God in everything. And then in verse 2, he gives a specific one that's really important. He says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Have God's heart inside of you. Live like he lives. And so how do we do this? How do we add more of God's heart as there becomes less of me? How do we let him increase while we decrease? And obviously there's a lot of different ways to do this, right? And we're going to talk about some of those throughout this series. But today I want to focus on this idea of practical teaching. Hearing the truth of God and and growing as we understand and obey that truth. The idea, the idea here is this. If I want to be filled with God's desires and goals and truth, I need to know what those are, right? Like, how can I have his desires and his goals and, and follow his truth if I don't even know what they are? Listen to 1 John chapter 2. It says this, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Listen, how do we obey his commands if we don't know what they are? We need to know what they are. Let me show you something. On my phone here, I have a facial recognition. Hi there. Um, I have this compass, right? This is, it's uh, not the same kind of compass that we used to have where you actually had to have uh, this physical thing. And, but compasses, those types of compasses, they work by, by having the Earth's magnetic fields have this strong pull on the needle of the compass, right? There's this strong pull that points that needle to absolute north. Because of this strong pull, listen, I want in my life, to have this strong pull from the Holy Spirit that points me, not to absolute north, but to absolute truth. 
right? The Holy Spirit to have this such a powerful pull on my life. Like no matter which way I want to go, I want to know God's word and have his heart and his truth inside of me so much that I'm automatically like pulled in that direction. Because here's the opposite side of being too full. That wasn't too full, sorry. To being too full for God. You, with the, I'm so full of the world and I'm so full of myself, I can't fit God. But guess what? If this was God, if we fill ourselves with God, then there's less room for the world and less room for ourselves. As we get more and more of God inside of us, the world kind of starts to fade away. Our own desires start to fade away. God's heart gets so deep within us that we don't fill it with other things as much, right? And so, man, I just want God's pull on me. And I feel like so much of the time that we're kind of on this path, and sometimes this path has been forged by God, and I'm following God, but other times it's forged by myself or forged by worldly pulls and worldly desires, a little further into 1 John chapter 2, it says this in verse 15. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you're full of the world, you don't, can't be filled with the Father. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. I want my path to be more forged by God more and more and more and less of me and less of the world every single day. Is it always going to be God leading the way? Am I always going to follow God? Am I always going to be full of God? No, probably not. I mean, I would love to get there, and I'm going to keep trying. I don't even know if it's possible to 100% follow God all the time because we make mistakes, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try for there to be more of him less of me, more of him, less of me. Notice John doesn't say all of him, none of me. I don't know if that's possible, but more of him, less of me. And the tough part comes with the idea of don't just be hearers of the word and deceive yourself. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Don't just be hearers of the word and deceive yourself. What does it say? Do what it says. It's not just about hearing his word or reading his word we come to church, we maybe put on a, a, uh, the Bible app in a background or whatever, and we hear the word, but it's really about understanding it and putting it into practice. As we learn what he's saying, we are informed of what he really wants. <sighs> because let's be honest, and I don't want anybody to feel guilty here, but many American Christians don't know what the Bible says. Many of us don't know what God really wants from us. I mean, I don't know how many times I have sat down with someone and they have asked me, okay, explain to me why your church believes this or explain to me why you think this way. And I'm like, well, cool. Let me show you the Bible here for a second. This is what the Bible says. And they're like, whoa, 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 time out. That's in the Bible? Yeah. You just read from the Bible. Yeah. So I just asked you what you believed in and you read me the Bible. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that was in there. Like that happens all the time. We don't know God's truth. And that makes it really hard to follow it if we don't know it. We need to be in the Bible more and more. We need to, we need to read it on our own, of course. Okay, that's important. We have to do that. And we're going to talk about that later on in this series. But sometimes 
understanding God and his word and his commands and his truth, sometimes that's tough. Anybody ever read the Bible and been like, oh, right? I have no idea what this means. I bet we've all been there. We read that and we're just like, uh, sometimes it takes someone to teach us. Sometimes we struggle to understand what he's saying without someone else helping us. And that brings us back to the portion of the Bible that we read at the beginning. I want to read just a few of these verses again to just refresh your memory. Acts 8, Philip, he, he goes down south, he's walking to Gaza, and he, he sees the Ethiopian in his carriage, and he hears the Holy Spirit say to him, go over there. Runs over to the carriage, and he hears the guy reading from the prophet Isaiah, right? And he says, hey, hey in there. You know, like, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy's like, uh, no, how can I do that if nobody tells me what it means? Come on up here, tell me what it means. So he goes in there, listens to the man, what he reads, reads from the book of Isaiah, right? And he says, this is what that verse means. Starting with that very verse, uh, Philip says to that man, here's what it is. Jesus, he died. He died on the cross. Why? To take away your sins. And at that moment, the Ethiopian decides, I want to follow Jesus. And he's like, hey, there's some water. Why can't I get baptized right now? Let's do this thing. I want to start following Jesus now. And boom, he gets baptized. This, this super important dude who, who knows the implications of the treasurer for Ethiopia, all of Ethiopia, the treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia, gets saved, starts following Jesus, gets baptized. Why? Because he read the Bible? No. And that's, that's, that takes us back sometimes. It's not because the dude read the Bible. It's because Philip taught him what the Bible was saying. If Philip wasn't there to tell this guy what he was reading, he wasn't there to, to explain that this scripture was talking about Jesus, would this guy have ever found Jesus? Maybe, right? We don't know. But God used him to teach this is an important thing. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes it takes more than just reading or hearing. Sometimes it takes teaching that we can understand. We see, we see this happen all the time. We see people's lives transform when they are taught what the Bible really says and what it really means. I've had so many conversations where I sit down with someone and I explain something to them and they go, Wow. Like, literally, they go, that blew my mind. I had no idea that that was in the Bible. I had no idea what that meant. And their lives are changed because someone is willing to teach the Bible. That's why it's one of the things that we work so hard at at River of Life. Because as we learn more about him, as we hear his word, and we hear from people that have his heart, all that starts to transfer into us. His desires, his goals, his truth, his heart. So here, here's the deal, here's the deal. Come to church, okay? Keep coming to church. St keep, like, start reading books. Uh, do whatever it takes for you to have the practical teaching in your everyday life. Listen to podcasts. Watch other church sermon videos. Uh, sit down and have conversation with other believers. Go to a different church. Like, seriously, if it's a Bible-believing church, I don't care what church you go to. As long as you are being fed God's word and you can help understand it. And when you do this, you will start to learn more and more what his truth is and what his heart burns for. And then you can start to do it. 
Now, I do have to throw out just this kind of quick cautionary side note. Just, just be a little bit careful with what you're taking in, okay? There are definitely teachings out there, um, books, pastors, podcasts, whatever, and some of them are a little bit not exactly what the Bible says. And so I want you to do your homework. If you're listening to somebody on YouTube, um, ask somebody you trust, hey, is this legit? Check it with the Bible. Does, this, does it line up? Okay, just, just be careful. I said this, I preached this message last week in Sock Center, and then uh, after service, I got five text messages like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that was five. Um, and all five of them were like, hey, I've been listening to this guy. I've been listening to this guy. I've been listening to this girl. I've been hearing this. I've been reading this book. Are these okay? Are they legit? And thankfully, all of them were good. Um, but they're just are some, so just be careful. Music team, can I have you come at this time? Um, last thing I want to say before we start to close is learning God's truth and downloading his heart doesn't happen overnight. Don't you wish it would? God, fill me with your presence, fill me with your word, or like the cool matrix thing, like someone jabs a big old needle in the back of your head and you're like, eyes flicker, and you're like, oh, I know kung fu. And all of a sudden, the whole Bible like is downloaded into your head, or you have some like SD card and you could just like shove it in your mouth, and all of a sudden, bzz, it just doesn't work like that. He's so great, but it doesn't. My whole point in this is we need to be lifelong learners, okay? You've never figured it all out. You've never arrived. It's amazing to me, and, and I haven't been in the church as, many of, uh, as long as many of you, but I've been in the church world for 19 years, half of my life. I'm 38, been in there for 19 years. I've been a pastor for almost 17 of those years. I've read the Bible through a whole bunch of times, and I have gleaned from tens of thousands of sermons and podcasts and books and all that stuff. And I still very, very often have aha moments. Like I'll be reading the Bible and I'll be like, I, that was not there before. How, where, wow, that's good. How did I miss that? Or I'll be listening to a guy speak a sermon. I'm like, wow, that, that rocked me. Or I'll be listening to an audio book and I think to myself, that's going to change the way I minister to people. Or I'm praying and all of a sudden God drops this vision, this passion inside of my head that two months ago wasn't even a thought, but now it's what drives me and burns me. Like, we have to be lifelong learners. Don't ever stop filling yourself, because here's the deal. As we fill ourselves, guess what happens? We leak. We leak. God's vision, God's heart, God, it leaks out of us. We have to continuously fill ourselves over and over. Be a lifelong learner. Let's be people that are hungry for God's truth and let that, that let his heart, his dreams, his passion change the way we live. Yeah. In fact, I want to start that right now. We're going to have the music team lead us in a song. And during this time, you have an opportunity to start practicing this less of me equals more of God principle. Maybe even during the song, you could take a minute to confess. Like, God, you, you are God. I am not. I don't want my desires. I don't want my truth. I want to empty myself. I don't want my stuff. Empty yourself. Take some time to do that. And then maybe take a minute to ask God to start giving you his heart. Start downloading his heart, his desires, 
his plans, his truth, his passion to take the place that you are freeing up. Stand with me all over this place. God, as we sing here, and maybe we don't even sing, maybe, maybe we pray, maybe we talk to you and we confess these things and ask you to fill us. But God, during this time, whatever we do, I just pray that you do. You start emptying us. You start showing us the things in our lives that need to be removed. The things in our lives where that, that need to be sacrificed so that we can make more space for you. Less of us, less of us. And God, start to give us your heart. Show us who you are. Show us how you love people. One of the most powerful prayers we can make is, God, give me a heart of compassion. God, I truly believe that you can change our hearts if we ask and if we allow. So right now, start to move in us, God, as we sing, as we listen. Pray this in your name. All right, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to do this with one hand because i got to hold a microphone. But we're going to do something a little bit symbolic here, and I think we've done this before. Uh, I want you to just put your hands out like this for me. Everybody just put your hands out in front of you both. And I want you to picture the things in your life that you've been holding on to. Literally, the things that in your life, you are like, God, this is mine. Um, I've given you a lot of things. I've given you uh, my alcoholism. I've given you my kids. I've given you my relationship. But there's these few things, my language, my I don't know what it is, the things that I watch, the, the things that I listen to, whatever it is, God, there's certain things that I'm just like, ah, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. It's an okay thing. It's not hurting me. I want you to picture those things. Maybe God's even putting things in your mind right now. And then we're going to practice something, and it's, it's practicing because it's an over and over thing. I want you to just go like this. And some of you might need to go like this, actually. <laughs> like, let go. I got sticky fingers. Sometimes it's hard for me to let some of these things go. But by picturing those things in your head, like falling from your hands there, God, I'm letting these things go. I'm emptying myself. God, we are emptying ourselves of these things. Okay, now one more time, flip your hands back over. Now, God, we pray that instead of filling these things with the world again, I pray that these things, our lives, our hands, our, our minds, our hearts get filled of the things of you. We have emptied ourselves. We're asking you to empty us. We're, we need to continue to do that. But God, fill us up with the things of you, with your passions, your truth, your love. God, your goals, not our own, not our own. Now, here's the crazy thing. You can put your hands down now. Here's the hard part. I wish that what we just did, I wish that was enough. But guess what? As we walk around like this and ask God to fill us up every day, what does the Bible say? We are in the world but not of the world, right? But guess what? We're still in the world. And sometimes, sometimes the world trickles in, doesn't it? Sometimes the world starts to slowly start to fill our cup back up. And so what do we got to do over and over again? Empty that buddy out. Let's do it again. Got filled up again. Empty it out again. We have to probably every day do this. Letting it go, emptying myself, less of me, less of me. This is an ongoing, continuous frame of mind, attitude, culture in our lives. Less of me, now fill me up. Less of me, more of you. Emptying myself, fill me up. All right? Understand that. It's not just you walk out of here and magically you're empty and God's filling you up, okay? Every day, this is our goal.
God, we want more of you, less of us. Like seriously, God, our way isn't working. The world's way isn't working. We want to follow you, and to do that, we need your heart, and we need to know your truth. We can't follow you if we don't know your ways. We can't love like you if we don't know how you love. Help us to find the practical teaching that will show us what you really want from us so that we can truly follow you. I can't even imagine how this world would be changed if every single person who called themselves a Christian would truly obey you like, like 1 John said. If we really lived for you, if we weren't following the world, don't let us be apathetic halfway Christians anymore. Help us to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to learn, whatever we need to learn, to be moved however you want to move us so that we would be all in. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, one more thing before we go. We always want to give people an opportunity to start a relationship with God. Maybe after what you've experienced this morning, maybe it was through the music, maybe it was through the word, maybe it was through talking with people, just interacting. Maybe you're starting to think, you know what? I, I, I think I might want to try this thing out. I want to start moving in this direction. I want to start living for Jesus. See, Jesus wants you to know that you are loved and that you have been saved from your sins, not through good deeds, but by him dying on the cross. See, all these years ago when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God had a perfect relationship with them, and sin came into the world, and what happened? They were separated. There was a rift put between them and God, and all God wants to do is bring us back into relationship with him. And, and when Jesus died on the cross, man, let me tell you, his, his forgiveness is now available to us. The sins can be removed and we can come back into right relationship with him. If you want that this morning, you have an opportunity. So just with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed for one more minute here, time of privacy and reflection, I want to ask you this. If you were in this place and you say, this is me, I, I want to start this. I don't have it all figured out. I know I'm not perfect, but I want Jesus to, to forgive me. And I want to start emptying myself so I can start living for him. If that's you, I want to pray with you this morning specifically. So would you just quick put your hand up for one second? Thank you. Anybody else who says that's me? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I've never made this decision before, and I want to start this today. I want to start this relationship today. Anybody else? Awesome. That's great. Thank you. I want to do this. I want to pray. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so let's pray this together, everybody in this place. But if you are making this decision today, pray this with your whole heart. Mean it with everything you are. Pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins. And help me to live for you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that together? That's awesome, right? Right on. Now listen, if you made that decision today, this is not just a one-time decision, right? Just like this, as every day, we need to make the decision to follow God every single day. You don't have to raise your hand in church every single Sunday or whatever saying, I want to start this relationship. But so here's what I want. If, if you decided that today, 
I just simply want you to take a Connect card, write your name on it. On the back side, on the prayer side, there's a little box that says, I want to start following Jesus. Put a check mark there because we want to be praying for you. We want to maybe give you some resources to help you continue on in this relationship, okay? So fill that card out. If you'd like to continue to spend time with God, you don't have to hustle out of here. You can pray. That's great. Sit in your seat and do that. But last thing, as you leave, I want to speak this over you. As you walk out these doors and as your week goes on, may you become less and less and may God become more and more in your life. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week.